So a few months ago, um, Pastor Tony spoke, um, or actually taught on the wounds of Jesus, just to kind of briefly, when, when Thomas saw Jesus' wounds and he dropped to his knees and said, my Lord and my God. And so when I thought about that, just I think the Lord spoke to my heart and said, what are you doing with your wounds, Brett, the, the past hurts that you've had? Are you, how are you dealing with them? And so tonight I just wanted to um, take you through some passages of Scripture in, in Luke 23. So if you can turn your Bibles there to Luke 23, starting in verse 26. So Luke 23, verse 26. So I guess while you're turning, just a couple questions for you all tonight. I think everybody in the room has been wounded by something, whether it's a physical wound or hurt, whether it's a person that you love that hurt you, whether it's maybe even serving the Lord. You've been hurt serving the Lord in worship or, or um, in ministry. So what I want to do tonight is take you take us through some of these verses in Luke 23 and in 24 and really kind of put our our eyes, instead of looking at it through our, our own lens, if you will, look at it through the lens of Jesus. So why do we have wounds? What, what can we learn from them? What, how can we deal with them effectively? So let's begin in verse 26, and we'll read down to verse 43. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, and women also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. And then, he, then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? And there were also two criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the p- place called Calvary, they were crucified. there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Don't you even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And indeed, justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then Jesus said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And if we can just briefly move over to chapter 24, I'm just going to read from verse 36 down to 43. And this is when Jesus appears to his disciples. So verse 36 says, Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And when he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do your doubts rise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet 
That is myself. That is I myself. Handle me and see, for spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, and he said, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. So again, getting back to the couple questions, um, taking us through a couple different scenes here in the Bible. The first scene is Simon the Cyrenian, just taking us through what happens. Here's a guy who was trying to worship and serve God, traveled 900 miles for the Passover. So we're going to talk about him this evening. Hopefully we can learn a little bit about him and how he, he dealt with, with his trials. We talk about the two thieves on the crosses. They were obviously wounded. Be, uh, one was crucified on the right, the other on the left of Jesus. So we're going to learn about how they dealt with their wounds. And the most importantly, how did Jesus deal with his wounds? And what can we learn from that? And so as I mentioned a few minutes ago, there's a lot of wounds. I think wounds are usually... Trials are a little different than wounds, I think. Trials seem to sometimes come on slowly, maybe build, and that you have them for a season. But sometimes wounds are pretty, they're, they're, they're blunt. They usually come upon you very quickly, and they tend to hurt more in the moment. And so when I look at, in the context, in the context of Scripture, you have this situation where it seems like these are coming on very fast. For Simon the Cyrenian for the criminals, and for Jesus, obviously. These wounds came on very quickly. So, so I know in my life, I, I think everybody in the room here has had wounds, whether it's something that happened to us as a child. could have been abuse. It could be through relationships. It could be physical. Some, some of us are going through physical problems, and we're wounded. We need, we need surgery. We, we, we get hurt. Um, so there's all kinds of wounds out there. And so I guess tonight I'm just trying to, again, through the lens of Scripture, what does Jesus really have to say about this? How do we deal with it? How do we gain victory over our wounds? And so as we look at Simon the Cyrenian, um, a little bit about him. He was from the town of Cyrene, which is in northern Libya. So in the news several years ago, there was Benghazi. That our our um, embassy was attacked there. And so that's 900 miles to the west of Jerusalem. So if you take yourself in back 2,000 years, getting from northern Libya to Jerusalem was a really long, really long trip. And so Simon the Cyrenian was um, obviously saving, who knows, maybe his whole life um, for this trip. I googled it. I don't know if anybody knows it. It takes a, a donkey about five miles a day. That's how far they travel. So if you do the math on that, that's about 180 days of, of donkey travel from Cyrene to Jerusalem. So anyway, just a little tidbit for you. So it's a long journey. And you can imagine after six months, I get antsy um, driving from, we live in Pennsylvania, driving down here in two hours, I get a little bit crazy. I can't imagine a six-month journey to get to, to somewhere. And so I'm sure the anticipation was building for, for Simon, for his family. He was a true worshiper, I'm sure. For someone to travel that much, to save that much money to worship in Jerusalem for the Passover, I'm sure he was serious about his faith, and I'm sure he loved God very much. So they, 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 as Jesus was coming through from where he was being flogged and beaten to Calvary or Golgotha, which is, which is the place where he was crucified, he was going through the, the pathway, and so I'm sure the crowd was parting, letting the soldiers come through with the thieves and Jesus who was to be crucified. And then all of a sudden, Simon's there to worship. He's there for, to worship the Passover. And so he gets a tap on his shoulder from a spear, from a, a Roman soldier, and said, come with me. 
So Simon has to obviously go with the Roman soldier. If he disobeys, he could be killed. So he goes, and then it says here in verse 26, they laid a cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And so when you look at what happens with Simon, all of a sudden he goes from this excitement to worship God, right? I'm sure he's excited for Passover to worship. All of a sudden now he's looking at Jesus, who was beaten beyond recognition. His beard was pulled out, crown of thorns on his head, bloody. He was scourged on his back. His back was ripped to shreds. And so Simon's looking at Jesus, and they're saying, okay, you have to carry now this bloody cross, right? So part of the, the um, law was that if you, if you touched blood, you couldn't touch blood, or you were defiled, and you couldn't worship. So now all of a sudden, Simon went from being so joyful to be in Jerusalem, so excited to worship God, so excited for the first time to be in the midst of God's people, to now all of a sudden being defiled and saying, you can't worship anymore. You can't, all the, this whole trip, this whole savings, this whole six-month journey is now totally trashed. And so that's a wound, right, of sorts. Sometimes when we, we go to serve God, we do it joyfully, and we, we get involved, and we want to serve the Lord with our heart. And then something all of a sudden doesn't meet our expectations. We, we get maybe wounded by something, or something falls apart with, with our service. And so we look at Simon, and now he's, he's um, clearly, you know, for most people, could be angry with God. Why did you lead me here? Why did you let me waste my money? I can't worship now. But we notice something in Simon, which is really interesting. And so if we dive into what happened with Simon, let's talk about how he handled his wound. Again, when he, ser when he was serving and worshiping the Lord. We learn that in, in uh, Mark, that he has two sons, Rufus and Alexander. Right, So they're mentioned in Scripture. And then we also learn in Acts that, that they're mentioned again. So clearly, his sons become believers. Right? So something happened when he encountered Jesus on that road to, the, to, to Calvary. Right? We're not sure if it was just the look of Jesus, of compassion. We know that Jesus had a, had a presence about him, that whoever looked him, on him, he, he, they just knew he was the Son of God. Was it just a quick conversion? Was it something else? Was, was Simon clearly a very devout man? Did he... Maybe he had f read and memorized Isaiah 53. I'll read it for you. It says in Isaiah 53, he said, He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we didn't esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, and he has carried, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So if Simon memorized that and knew that in his heart, I can't help but believe that when he, when he would remember, and by his stripes we are healed, because Jesus' back was then ripped open, looked like stripes, right, from the, from the whip. And so it seems like something stirred in Simon's heart. We don't see anything in the strip, scripture where he's complaining, or why me, or, or, or lamenting. The other thing it could have been is in verse 27 28, it says, And a great multitude of people followed him, and women also mourned and lamented him. 
But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore and breasts which, which never nursed. And they will say, To the mountains fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For they will do these things to the green wood, what will be done in the dry. So if you can imagine the suffering of Jesus as he's walking to the cro- up, up to Calvary, and the pain he's in, and yet these women are crying for Jesus, and yet in his compassion he's more worried about other people than he is about himself. Isn't that amazing? The king of glory, the king of kings, the Lord of the Lord, comes to this earth and cares more about the feelings of someone crying as he's walking to the cross. It's amazing, amazing to me that he, that he has that much compassion on people. And so he's warning them, he's prophesying to them that in 35 years, um, in 70 AD, Titus Vespasian will come into Jerusalem and level it. There's 1.1 million people that will die of either starvation or um, of war. And it was a horrible, horrific event that happened in Jerusalem. So again, Jesus is trying to warn people um, and trying to have compassion on them. And so Simon maybe hears this from Jesus and then his heart melts and be, and he becomes um he trusts Jesus as his Savior, and as, as a result, it seems like his sons and his family are saved, which is a great legacy. I think for everybody in the room, if your kids are walking with the Lord, there's no greater joy than um, watching them grow in the Lord and, and, and that type of thing. So it's, so it's so great to see Simon's family now take this faith for themselves. So I admire Simon's, I can learn from his reaction in that sometimes when we go into worship, we expect one thing, we might get another. We might even get wounded in the process or hurt in the process. And so I think it's important to understand, well, maybe it's not just about me and my what I need or what my expectations are, but maybe the, the greater good is God's glory and, and maybe I can see beyond how I'm hurt and really how God or Jesus can be glorified. So I think that's a, it's a really important lesson when we're serving. I remember when I was, we, Kelly and I were first married, um, it was an exciting time. We were married about, what, about six months. And um, found out Kelly was pregnant. So I was like, wow, that's great. We were so excited. Young couple. And um, and then we got some bad news that she had an ectopic pregnancy, which is when the the egg is stuck in the fallopian tube. So that, that was really sad news for us. And then there was a period of infertility. And we went back and forth to Philly every morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, and went through that whole process uh, for, for um, it felt like an eternity, but it was probably three years. And um, at the time, I was just doing some volunteer work at a, um, a youth ministry in Warminster, PA. And I remember talking to a little boy who got hit in the head with a golf club. His, his mom was abusing him and hitting him in the head with a golf club. And I remember just saying, God, this is not fair. I don't get this. Um, we just want a baby. I, my wife will be a great mom. We'll, we, we just want to take care of a child. And yet, these kids are coming in getting beaten and abused and I'm like this just does not I just remember being so angry and so uh, demoralized and we said you know we'll be dog people we're going to get a lot of dogs I'm going to get a pickup truck and we're just going to you know and so um, and so God obviously answered our prayers you know we we read in Luke um, that nothing is impossible with God we read that verse together and then the next day we found that she was pregnant so and then she was pregnant four birthdays in a row. So that was pretty cool. Um, right, hon? Yeah, good. <laughs> so I guess the point is I was so angry and so wounded, but God had a bigger plan for me. And I never understood kind of why. But um, 
you know, he answers those prayers, right? He'll, he'll let you know when you need to know it. Um, so then if we go into chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 32, let's talk about the criminals. Sometimes we have our own self-inflicted wounds when we're at fault, when we bring, we do something really foolish or sinful, and we deserve what we get, and we're wounded by that. So let's, let's look what happens with the criminals here. So in th- verse 32, it says there's two criminals led with him and put to death. And when, had, when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. <clears throat> and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also written over the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemous, said, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. So in some of the other Gospels here, there's, it seems like both criminals start to mock Jesus. But then something happens in, in criminal two. Criminal one continues to mock him. And so sometimes, as I mentioned a minute ago, there's, there's wounds that we have that are self-inflicted, right? We make mistakes. We sin. Some sins are, are easily forgivable, and don't affect us as much, and some sins are unbelievably horrible, and the consequences are really bad. And so it seems like these two thieves obviously got caught for stealing, and obviously in Rome that day, back in that age, if you stole, you you were put to death. So, um, So both of them committed the exact same crimes. And so something happens in the criminal number two, though. In, in verse 40, it says, The other answering rebuked him, saying, Don't you even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So when you look at the two reactions of these criminals, criminal one just continues on the ranting, right? So it starts with the religious leaders, mocking Jesus, and then the soldiers start mocking Jesus. And that's kind of the way the culture is, right? Once, once the culture starts mocking Jesus, then everybody starts mocking Jesus. But it takes a very courageous soul, right? Someone who will stand up for the Lord and say, no, he's my savior. And so this, this criminal number two starts to turn. And again, I, I can't help but think some of the things that Jesus said on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Um, he he wasn't he was silent you know as a as a, a lamb is to a shear. Jesus willingly laid down his arm on the on the beam to be nailed through. I can't imagine all the other criminals are probably wrestling their way out, trying to fight their way out of being nailed to a to a cross, and yet Jesus willingly did this. And then he says, "Father, forgive them, for they know what not what they do." So I'm thinking that that these words and these behaviors, not just the words of Jesus, but his behavior is just so powerful and it starts to to turn the heart of criminal two to the point where he's like you know what jesus is of another world this is supernatural an average man would never say forgive them an average man would never just put his hands willingly on the cross and his feet willingly there an average man wouldn't just put his back to the whip willingly so 
Obviously, the, both criminals may have heard Jesus' sentencing and where Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. And so criminal too starts to turn. And so we can kind of learn a lot about our self-inflicted wounds. Number one, the criminal too says, you know, he humbly admits his mistakes and his sins. And so when we, we have self-inflicted wounds, it takes a humble heart just to say, you know what, I blew it, I was wrong, I should have, I should have done it differently, and I'm really sorry. And, and number two, he admits that Jesus is the selfless, selfless sacrifice. He's, the, he's the, the, the lamb who was slain for us, right? So we have to acknowledge that he paid for our sins. And then third, he calls him Lord and acknowledges that Jesus has a kingdom in heaven and he has a desire to spend eternity with him. So I think those are the three things he does. He admits that he's a sinner. He admits Jesus is the only way to pay for his sins. And third, he acknowledges Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he has a true desire to spend eternity with him. I read a statistic the other day about, I think it was the Pew Research. It said 70, 72% of Americans believe in heaven, which I thought was a pretty high statistic. I don't know how you feel about it, but I thought it was pretty high. And I'm thinking, but why do everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one really wants to really live for God. Not, not many people really want to live for God here on earth. So it's almost like they want to be there with him, but their heart is in a different place. And so this criminal, though, shows conviction. He shows courage. And he actually rebukes the rest of the people that are mocking him. And so the other thing that, that Jesus says, which is a comfort to all of us, it says, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And I don't know how much, how many times I've read that, but that always gives me a lot of comfort for, for us as believers. We know where we're going, and we know that it will be paradise in heaven when we get there. And for those of us that lost loved ones that knew the Lord, I don't think there's any greater joy at knowing that they're in paradise in glory with the Lord right now. So. Okay, so if we jump over to chapter 24, verse 36, we can learn about Jesus' wounds. So the interesting thing about Jesus' wounds were a couple things. One is, when I read the Bible, we, it seems like we get a glorified body, which means um, hopefully I'll be in much better shape. I have my spare tire here on earth. Um, so probably 30 years old, fit, Full head of hair, good eyesight, won't need these anymore. <laughs> so looking forward to that day. Um, but here's the thing, it's interesting that all of us as believers will have our glorified bodies. Revelation says no more disease, no more dying, no more death, any more pain, right? So there's promises in the Bible that we'll have a perfect body in heaven. But then uh, it's interesting that Jesus is really the only one, right? He's the perfect one, but he has wounds that he bears in heaven, right? He bears the mark of slaughter in heaven. So, so why is that? Why would he bear those marks. So I, I thought it was interesting just to figure, you know, do a little research on that and figure out what could that mean and what are the significance. So a couple things. One is in this verse here, it said, it says here, they were terrified and frightened because they thought they saw a spirit. And he says, peace to you. And I always think it's interesting when, when we're terrified, Jesus is always speaking peace to us. So if we're ever terrified, 
We just have to remember that, that with Jesus, there's always peace, and he's always speaking peace into our life. So that's a really important part. Second thing is they were terrified because they thought they saw a spirit. And it says, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. So I just think it's so interesting how even Thomas said, Unless I see his wounds or put put my hand in his side, I will in no wise believe. And yet Jesus is there again demonstrates his humility and his love for people to say, You know what? They are a doubting people. And so to prove this, I'm going to have wounds. I'm going to have I'm going to have scars for all of eternity, so that so that my my followers, my disciples, those that, those that see me when I rise again, will also know that I love them and that I am truly Him, because no man could bear the marks of what Jesus had, right? So it was definite proof that He rose from the dead and He He was who He said He was, and so. Again, getting back to when Pastor Tony preached, when Thomas saw that, he said, my Lord and my God, dropped to his knees. And so I just, I just think it's interesting in, in how much humility Jesus has to actually bear those marks. And just as if I had to give a kidney to one of my children to save their life, I would bear a mark, a scar on my back, right? So if I was on the beach, they would see the scar and say, hey, my dad loves me, right? He gave his kidney for me. And yet Jesus gave, that's not even a, uh, you can't even compare the two. But that's sort of a picture of, of just bearing the marks for all of time and eternity so that we see him. Even in heaven we'll say, wow, how much he loved me. The other thing is when you look at Jesus' wounds, when you really look at, well, obviously he had a lot of wounds, but if you look at the wounds on his hands and his feet, if you look at someone going into battle, we could have some veterans here that we appreciate your service. And the, the veterans, obviously, if they're in, in, in battle, they're advancing the battle. They're moving forward. And most soldiers will get wounded on, on the front of their body, right? In, in battle. And so Jesus, when you look at his wounds, are on the front, right? His hands and his feet, his side. He's advancing the battle, right, for our souls. That he, he wants to win us for all time and eternity. And so when we look at the courage of what he did and how he advanced, those wounds that he has are wounds of honor, right? Just like we would honor a veteran who gets wounded in battle fighting for our freedom. He fought for our freedom from sin, right? So he could take us to heaven. So, so when you look at his wounds, um, in terms of just even his arms, his, his arms are outstretched, right? Just saying, I love the whole world, right? And his feet... The Bible talks about your feet sometimes in the Old Testament about um, where you go. God is very interested in where our feet go, where our feet take us. But when I look at the feet of Jesus, there's really no mountain too high for him to climb, no ocean too deep, no distance too far that his feet would take us to save the people around the world. So when you just look at him on that cross, I think you can't help but think, wow, just the, the wounds show how much he loves us. Even his heart. The soldier pierced his, the outside of his heart, and blood and water flowed out. And so when you look at that wound, I think Jesus, how many times he was heartbroken when he lamented over Jerusalem and wept over the lost people of Jerusalem and the world. And so even today, 
you know, his heart breaks for for those who are lost, for the prodigals. So we have to just keep praying. I mean, we he loves our our kids and our prodigals more than than we do. So I know his heart's broken, and and so these wounds, when you think about his wounds, are are very significant. And again, he'll bear them for for all time of time and eternity. <clears throat> So I guess a couple takeaways tonight. If you look at Simon, just his lesson, if we're in worship or we're serving the Lord and we get hurt by somebody or something, or maybe we have an expectation in ministry that doesn't get met and we get we get kind of hurt or disappointed, I think we can learn from Simon that there's a bigger picture out there. God has a story and a plan, and it's a great story and plan. We just don't maybe see it right now, and someday he'll reveal it to us if it's his will. But in the meantime, you know, if we work for his glory, you know, all things will work together. The second thing we learn is if we make mistakes and sin and blow it. We all do. I've done it a bunch of times. I just think it's, let's pray for a humble heart to, to admit our mistakes and to go to the person that we've offended and apologize and then just make sure that we, we confess our sin to the Lord Jesus and he forgives us based on his sacrifice and his blood. And then rejoice that we're going to heaven because it's a real place. And then third, we're going to be able to see Jesus face to face someday. And we're going to have, it's going to hit us when we see him face to face, how much he loved us when we see those wounds. And so the love of, once we see that love, that's why in the Bible it just talks about us praising and worshiping him forever. I think it's going to be an awesome day when we're all together around the throne, worshiping him together. So with that, I'll, we'll close in prayer. Father, thanks so much for, uh, for tonight. Thanks for your word, Lord. I just pray for every wounded heart here, Lord. Um, some of us have had problems in our, our past, Lord, as, as children being wounded and abused. Some of us have had problems with substance or even injuries, Lord, or disease or cancer. Lord, some wounds have come from lo- losing loved ones or loved ones passing on to heaven, Lord. So, Lord, whatever the wound, we know that you just don't none of this escapes your eye you hold us in the palm of your hand and you call us to be your own lord and so we love you we trust you lord with these things and ask for healing and a blessing lord for each one tonight in jesus name amen